Hello and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, a podcast where we take our favorite properties and reboot them before Hollywood gets the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay and I use she her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them, and this week by popular demand, uh, we are rebooting, or rather Lindsay has been given the opportunity to reboot the film Flashdance. Yeah, the 1983 romantic drama classic starring... Jennifer Beals and Michael Norrie and directed by Adrian Lin. Also, apparently, one of like Jerry Bruckheimer's first jobs as a producer. So, Oh, wow. Cool. It was kind of influential for later 80s musical movies. Well, not quite musical because nobody like has the big breakout singing parts, but like songs with a lot of music in it. Mm-hmm. In that mostly pop music and songs specifically written for the movie like Footloose and Purple Rain and Top Gun. You know what? Purple Rain could probably be considered a a musical. I mean, Prince does actually sing in it. Yeah. Um, according to Wikipedia, it's more like an MTV kind of musical because all the songs are presented in the form of music videos, essentially. Yeah. So the plot, it goeth thusly. You have Alex Owens, who's an 18-year-old welder in a steel mill in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, who lives with her dog Grunt in a converted <laughs> warehouse. Oh, Grunt is such a cute good boy. <laughs> <laughs> Just like this big boxer. He's so sweet. So she aspires to become a professional dancer, but she has no formal training, and she works as a sensual dancer by night at Mobby's, which is a neighborhood bar and grill that hosts a nightly cabaret. Okay. Uh, she's friends with Jeannie, who's one of the waitresses there, and is also an aspiring figure skater, and her boyfriend, who's the short cook, who wants to become a stand-up comedian, unfortunately. <laughs> I he- I've heard tell about what the stand-up world is like, and I'm like, you don't know what you want, buddy! Yeah. <laughs> so, she gets noticed by... One of her customers who turns out to be her boss at the steel mill and they get involved. And then there's a whole subplot about a strip club called Zanzibar. And the big thing oh, is, oh boy. Yeah. The big thing is Alex wants to join this one uh, dance company, but she keeps chickening out on it because of the whole, like, I don't have formal dance training. I don't have this really formal experience. And they also show the application form, and it's practically a book. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that'll intimidate anybody. So basically, the main drama is some of the relationship stuff that eventually works itself out through, oh, the two main love interests actually communicating with each other. Yay! About like their past and all that, and clearing up some stuff. And Alex getting the confidence to just take that risk, do the audition, and you know what, if she gets it, she gets it. If she doesn't, she doesn't. There's other opportunities, and she gets it. And that's the end of the movie. Woo! Woo! Yeah. So, really, really simple plot. And I I think it's uh, worn for a bit of a remake, because there are a couple problematic elements, like the whole 18-year-old girl dating her Clearly in his 30s boss. Yeah, I was about to say, the minute you said she's 18 years old, I'm thinking, well, that's gonna change! Yeah. So, uh, 
that's not gonna happen, and I've got opinions about, like, boss-employee relationships, even if you are close in age or the same age. It's just the power dynamic part. Yeah, no, I... Anyone dating their boss... Sometimes the dating of the boss is okay, but, like, it's real specific. Like, you can't put a blanket statement on it. It's just, I know I've seen in fiction relationships where someone is dating so they're superior, but it doesn't come off nearly as sketch as a lot of other examples and the way it usually works out in real life. Yeah. I think it depends on type of job, too. And what sort of power said boss has. Also, like, I don't expect much of a relationship if we're talking about a Walmart say department manager is also sleeping with a store manager yeah see in my opinion if you're gonna date someone at the workplace you guys need to have the exact same position like no difference in seniority not even different departments i would say different departments is okay because you're not really interfering with each other especially if you are at the same level like you're you got parallel jobs yeah oh yeah that's true um but yeah, dating your boss, dating your teachers, almost always, actually no, dating your teacher is always a big no. Dating the boss is almost always a big no. Mm-hmm. And yeah. quick, quick, quick aside, <laughs> number, number one gay Power Rangers pairing before uh, Samurai came out was Casey and RJ in Power Rangers Jungle Fury, which has dating your boss, dating your teacher, and dating someone older than you. And I can't believe no one looked at that and said, that's kind of messed up. Yeah, when... I don't care if every other character with a face managed to get paired off with someone else. Yeah. Because, like, the there was better chemistry between RJ and the and the Sixth Ranger guy, the Rhino Ranger. That's true. Well, I think he's also younger, and I think that falls into the mm. same trap. <laughs> yeah. RJ is older than everyone, and everyone's teacher, and everyone's boss. Yeah. <laughs> Casey can date Dom and then RJ can date Adam <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just like don't don't date someone from your work yeah just just don't date someone from work <laughs> it's too much of a minefield um yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like well one of the ideas I have for changing Alex and her boss Nick's relationship is that they were co-workers but like same level basically yeah also i would probably like if we're keeping it in pittsburgh it's actually rather unrealistic that they're working in the steel mills because there's only like two left (laughs) yeah and honestly honestly just having them stuck working in the service industry is like just as equivalent these days Mm mm-hmm yeah so like we could move this to any city we could probably move it to like it doesn't have to be los angeles it could be somewhere like New York or San Francisco or somewhere that has like a recognized dance company. See, I would argue that it makes um it would work better if it stays in Pittsburgh or in a place that isn't necessarily known for an art scene. Okay. Because then it's even more of a struggle like like I'm not going to say it's easy to be a, a dancer or a performer in LA or New York, but because they have such thriving art scenes, like at the very least 
you could every weekend you could find a new audition, a new company yeah. or a new play or something going on. Whereas in Pittsburgh, it's like you're pro- you probably only have the one dance company. There's probably what six plays a year. Uh, Pittsburgh actually has a good art scene. Um, I okay. said it back in Charm, like it's a university town. Oh, that's right. It's actually got a thriving art scene. Okay. Um, so it, maybe, maybe it's somewhere. been through a renaissance. So I would say almost like move it to <laughs> the burnt out husk that is Detroit. Ooh, but even Detroit, Detroit oh. has a music scene. Okay, you know what? That might actually make sense because Detroit. Uh, I don't live in Detroit, but I see a lot of stuff about Detroit come across my timeline because of people I follow. And there's a lot of shit going on in there in terms of like tearing down historic places and gentrification and really gutting a lot of and anything that isn't a parking lot, basically. Yeah. And it's also... I can't speak a lot of it, obviously, because I'm white, but the black community is also going through plenty of struggles there because, as far as I can tell, whenever there seems to be a foothold, someone pulls a rug out from them. Mm. And... Because that kind of goes hand in hand with this. The 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 one one of the other suggestions I was gonna say, which was make Alex a dark skinned black woman. Yeah, Jennifer Beals. She is biracial, but she's so pale that you wouldn't know unless you checked. Yeah, and then and then you can get into all this stuff with like black dancers and dark skinned black women dancers. The the the, the, uh, it works. It all goes hand in hand in hand. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I'm gonna say about like. Detroit that I know is like there's a clear delineation between Detroit, Michigan and Windsor, Ontario. I don't I don't know what that means. <laughs> Windsor is like right across the river from Detroit. They're both working cities, oh, but apparently oh, okay. Windsor has had a lot better luck. Mm. Especially when it comes to uh, lack of pollution. Hmm. Yeah. That's weird, considering they're right across from the river that that have the same sky and water almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, like this is mostly a modernization, and there's not that much to really improve of. Even though I, s- I love the soundtrack to this movie. Yeah, there isn't would, a bad song. Would you make this a full-on musical, or would you just leave it as is? Because. My problem is I don't know that much about musicals, so I don't see. Know. So okay, so let me. So the concept of musicals: that so you have a story, and then whenever someone's really emotional, you just force them to sing a song. Okay, so what sort of songs would you have them sing? Oh, the same song from the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm just like, just do dance numbers. It's like MTV musical where it's music yeah. videos. I mean, we can make them. We, we, I don't know how, how, because I have never seen this film before, so I don't know, like, what the transition into the musical sections are. Like, is it just, it's time for me to do a dance number now? Um, oh, how did, <laughs> there wasn't really that much of a prompt, it was more like, you would have a scene, then you would have music play, and sometimes it would be, like, just them, just the characters doing stuff around the city. Other times it would be showing what other characters who dance at uh, mobbies are doing. So, like, the main dancers there, including Alex, all get at least one dance for themselves. So it's it's really no transition. It's just like, we've got some songs, let's play them! <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's almost like they developed the soundtrack first and then added the plot. <laughs> yeah, oh god, that's... 
You know what, though? That can actually work really well in the movie's favor, I feel. Yeah. Like, I think that's something similar to what they did in Empire Records. Okay. Except, except of course, they couldn't actually get the license to any of the songs. They couldn't put any of the songs from the film on the soundtrack. Oh, wow. Because of rights issues. Ah. Uh, oh, music industry. Oh, you bitch. Um, so what if we did it like in the Chicago film? Because you've seen, you've seen Chicago, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so in Chicago, it's like whenever there's a dramatic musical number, it like goes to an imagined spot where Roxy or just the audience in general sees the events played out as they would in like a Chicago cabaret type style. Yeah. And so this could be a similar thing where it does a flip from the, the normal world to the dance space, the dance space in your mind. We could have pistaches of various well-known music videos. Because, oh, like, that's definitely. one of the main employments for dancers. Um, and especially, especially considering... dancers is... Yeah. Yeah, especially considering that this movie, like, it tied into the rise of MTV. And, like I said, because the the musical sequences were very much just, like, music videos in the film, a lot of people connected to that. So it would make yeah. sense. Maybe not have, like, all of them spread out. I think it could even make sense to have one number just... Have one number where it's all the references to the famous music videos, and then everything else is a little bit more original. Okay. So, like... I do think we we need to keep at least a couple of the very iconic songs. Obviously. So what a feeling. Yeah. She's a maniac. Those are the only two I know. Gloria. Gloria's from this one? Yeah. Gloria's in it. Oh, fuck. I fucking love that song. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> to, to be fair, I love the Glee cover of that song. It has, it has Liam, no. Michelle, Naya Rivera, and Adam Lambert on it. No, <laughs> what, really, what really sold me on Gloria was uh, last year when um, the St. Louis Blue Jackets won the Stanley Cup, and that was... Oh, the St. Louis Blues. Sorry, my brother is correcting me on hockey team names. But yeah. <laughs> That was their big song. <laughs> so, yeah, we got to keep those songs. I have no idea what their music videos were like. I I know. Was it One Hit Wonderland that did Maniac? I don't know if they did. I may not have seen that video yet. Yeah. So... I'm behind. I just got down to 80 <laughs> videos on my to-watch list. Oh, God. Um... So the general rumor was that the guy who wrote the song Maniac was originally going to put it into a slasher film <laughs> because it does kind of sound like he's talking about a serial killer and he was thinking about a serial killer at the time, but he said, no, there wasn't like any plans to put this into any sort of horror film at the time, but he did do extensive rewrites to fit it into Flashdance. I have to check if Maniac has ever shown up in an episode of American Horror Story, because that seems like a very Ryan Murphy move. Yes. <laughs> nope, doesn't look like it. But oh, I I'm sure it's going to pop up at some point, one of these days. Yep. So, we don't have to have every single song on here. We can swap in some more contemporary stuff, and we could also have new stuff by artists yep. in a similar vein. Yes. So, uh, so Kylie Minogue is not on the soundtrack, but the guy who produced it, Giorgio Moroder, I know he's worked with Kylie Minogue in the past, and I feel like Kylie Minogue stuff would fit in this pretty well. Oh, yeah. 
like maybe um well pretty much the only Kylie Minogue song I know off the top of my head is Can't Get You Out of My Head so that's a good one um she also has Get Out of My Way which I know that song because (laughs) she said in an interview she said it was her gayest song (laughs) and that one that one I would say especially has a similar sound to some of the other stuff on the soundtrack um obviously we could also do covers of stuff uh quick who would cover what a feeling oh (sighs) lady gaga that could work yeah because it's it's more it's it's gone more belty parts than you would expect Mm -hmm. or lady gaga i feel like lady gaga could also cover gloria really well yeah yeah, in fact, I would prefer Lady Gaga for Gloria. Um, oh, who's a really good belter? Other than, like, <laughs> Celine Dion. <laughs> um, SZA is pretty good. Mind you, oh, yeah. I've only heard a little bit of her stuff. Uh... But I bet, no, yeah, I bet SZA could do a decent cover of What a Feeling. Okay. And again, like, since... It would probably be a good idea to get a good number of black artists on the soundtrack. Because mm-hmm. this this whole thing is very, it's very like, not quite disco, it's like post-disco. It's like the yeah. pop songs that came out right, bet- right as disco was on the downturn, but like a majority of the stuff was transferring into what would become modern pop. Yeah. It's like that cross-section. Yeah. Yeah, the early 80s was a really interesting time for pop music, so. Yeah. The early 90s was too, but for different reasons. Yeah. <laughs> Started decades are always a very interesting time for new trends. Yeah. Because <laughs> so early early 80s was really where modern pop began. But if you go to yeah. the early 90s, that's all of a sudden people are like saying, but what if pop music wasn't pop music? What if, let, let's try R&B. Let's try rap. Let's try grunge. Let's try yeah. soft rock. <laughs> Let's let's try white girl chanting. <laughs> I mean, Spells Like Teen Spirit is honestly the most pop of grunge songs. Probably. See, there's probably popular grunge songs that are so poppy that you don't realize they're grunge. <laughs> <laughs> I mm, definitely not by Pearl Jam. Mm, I'm trying to think. I don't think I know any Pearl Jam because I was about to suggest three songs, but they're all by Smashing Pumpkins. Which is a diff- <laughs> completely different band. <laughs> I don't know any Pearl Jam. <laughs> Just uh, start with Jeremy and work your way in. Okay. Um, there really isn't that much to say on this film. I don't think on account of it really is just the 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 young person from the small town wants to make it big in the arts, and they yeah. do. Yay. Yeah. Those either end with they do make it big in the arts or they don't, but they found the importance of family along the way. And yeah. this one definitely seems like. It's a bit of both. Yeah. Like it uh there's like a point where Jeannie um she takes part in a figure skating competition and kinda doesn't do that well and she almost gives up on it entirely because there is kind of a deadline for how long you can be in figure skating. Yeah. Yeah. If you've seen the Olympics, they tend to peak at fifteen. And at a certain point your rivals will just try and break your legs. <laughs> Oh, we gotta do a shout out to Tanya hurting. (laughs) 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 
So yeah, that eventually leads into Janie going to the rather sleazy strip club. Now, on this podcast, I should say we shouldn't shame exotic dancers and strip joints, but the problem is that they're also really good places for money laundering. Yeah, but that's not their fault. It's like Yeah. It's the owners. And then because of that, the people running they're like, hey, this is a good place to start a front. Yeah. Our city almost got a strip joint, but that kind of got kibosh because some of the owners had ties to the Hells Angels. Huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Again, really great place to launder money. <laughs> yeah, so that's the big thing. Like, there's the difference between Mobbies, which has a cabaret, an evening cabaret that does involve a little stripping, and Zanzibar is that Mobbies, maybe not the classiest joint around, but they treat the dancers well. And everybody is respectful towards the dancers. There's no touchy. Mm -hmm. Zanzibar, on the other hand, is gross. Yeah. And now I'm reminded of this one strip joint I was um, told about when I was young, over in Victoria, and specifically warned to stay away from. But eventually burned down, which was a fitting end. (laughs) 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 Yeah, so... The general message from this movie is, like, the importance of found family. Um, One point I do kind of want to clarify with Hannah, who's a retired ballerina and is uh, Alex's friend slash mentor. And I think it should be stated early on that, like, maybe Alex has some sort of formal training, but, like, let's say she didn't attend a a well-known, well-regarded dance school, and maybe it was one of those places that went defunct, or was you know, operated out of a strip mall. Yeah, like a community center thing, or yeah, like my one of the one of those warehouses where it's like, th- th- like they have three different classes every night, and each one of them is completely different. Yeah, <laughs> my <laughs> I remember uh, my Irish dance lessons took place in a really out of the way Knights of Columbus hall. Yeah, I, I remember one time me and my friends, I wasn't in the Irish dance, but my friends were in the Irish dance and we took them to that. And it was like, yeah, in the bottom floor of a warehouse in out in the warehouse district of the city. Um, and this was actually in Regina. So it was warehouse out in the warehouse district. Yeah. And then as they were wrapping up and putting the, away the swords and everything, that's when all these other little kids started coming in and putting on their geese and their stuff because there was a karate class right after. And then one time we got there earlier, and there was, like, a painting class right before that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that'll happen. And then we also, I'm pretty sure we booked out that same warehouse for their their dad's birthday one time. (laughs) And that's that's, uh, when I, did I, I can't remember, either I passed out from too much helium or my friend did. (laughs) I was about to say, I feel like I'd remember passing out, but that's the thing about passing out, is you don't remember it. (laughs) I tend to remember the act of falling over in the process of passing out. I don't really remember anything quite afterwards. Um, Anyway, so yeah, found family is very important because, like, Alex's family is noticeably absent. Um, And then there's also the message of, at some point in 
your journey to achieve your dreams, you are going to be given an opportunity that has a high risk involved in it. And if you really want to take this opportunity, you got to take it even if you're scared. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, that's a recurring theme. Every time Alex is given an opportunity to uh, sign up for this, to audition for this uh, dance company, she chickens out. It's apparently a thing. And then by the end, she's like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it can be for Alex is starting up with either the one dance company or maybe there's like a music video shoot coming up and it's like, oh, this is my chance. Yeah. I might not even make it into the final cut of this music video. But it's more about chasing it than getting it. Mm-hmm. And if you do fail, at least you have a hunky boyfriend of a reasonable age. Yes. And, and a big slobbery pit bull that loves you. Yes. Who, I did just check, and Grunt was played by Jumbo Red. Yes. <laughs> Which I think I might have to name a dog at some point, regardless yes. of breed. <laughs> Yes, you were such a sweet boy. <laughs> <laughs> Open auditions for Pitbull casting. <laughs> uh, um, so, I think I think I had what might be my last thought that I can contribute because you mentioned that she has a mentor figure that was a dancer. Yeah, the, she can be played by Nicole Bahari. Ah, yes. Because I'll find any excuse to put Nicole Bahari in something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, maybe she's still an active dancer. Um, so Hannah Long in the original movie, she was a ballerina. She was played by Lilia Scala, uh, who by that time... Yeah, she was 88 by that point of Flashdance. So, oh yeah, so if Nicole Bahari is still in it, then she can definitely still be dancing, but... Yeah, it'd be different because these are these are literally young people's games. Yeah. Yeah, like um Oh, I I totally forgot. Even though I watched it the other night, uh Jennifer Lopez did a music video that was basically just like flash dance. Hmm. Um I think it was from the 2000s. Jennifer Lopez. Oh, there was a legal suit. Aha! In 2003, following the use of dance routines from the film by Jennifer Lopez in her music video I'm Glad, directed by David LaChapelle, not to be confused with Dave Chappelle, uh, <laughs> Martyr sued Lopez, Sony Corporation, the makers of the music video, and Paramount in an attempt to gain a copyright interest in the film. Although Lopez argued that her video for I'm Glad was intended as a tribute to Flashdance, in, in May 2003, Sony agreed to pay a licensing fee to Paramount for the use of the dance routines and other story material from the film in the video. Even though there were significant differences between the dance at the end of Flashdance and Jennifer Lopez's dance routine. And apparently, um... Martyr? Who even is Martyr? Oh, okay. So th there's okay. So Martyr is Maureen Martyr, uh, who is the real life inspiration for the film because she was a construction worker slash welder by day and a dancer by night in a Toronto strip club. Oh, um, she aspired to enroll in a prestigious dance school. And Tom Headley wrote the original story outline for Flashdance. And on December 6, two, Martyr assigned a release document giving Paramount Pictures the right to portray her life story on screen, for which she was given a one-off payment of twenty three hundred dollars. Hmm. 
Flashdance is estimated to have grossed more than 200 million worldwide. And in 2006, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit in San Francisco affirmed a lower court's ruling that Martyr gave up her rights to the film when she signed the release document in 1982. The panel of three judges stated in its ruling, Though in hindsight the agreement appears to be unfair to Martyr, she only received 2300 in exchange for a release of all claims relating to a movie that grossed over $150 million. There is simply no evidence that her consent was obtained by fraud, deception, misrepresentation, duress, or undue influence. The court also noted that Martyr's attorney has, had been present when she signed the document. So first off, she had a shit attorney, clearly, because you always go for royalties. Yeah. Uh, basically, she got what happened to the author of the Witcher books. Yeah. Yeah, except they went back and they renegotiated that. Yeah. Whereas, I, as far as I can tell, Maureen Martyr never got anything past the lump sum. Yeah, so uh, warning to all future creatives, um, get royalties. Mm. So, you know what, either... So we could have our Flashdance remake, but maybe we should walk it back and we should also do a biopic on Maureen Martyr as well. Yeah, because like 1970s Toronto would have been very interesting. Yeah, we'll use the Flashdance money to make the Maureen Martyr story. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's a good thing we scrolled down for that. But yeah. Yeah. And it's honestly, I find it even shittier the fact that Martyr sued Lopez, Sony, and Paramount, and she never got anything out of the music video. But Paramount did turn around and give, or Sony turned around and gave Paramount money for it. Yeah. Gah, burn all corporations. Yeah. <sighs> so, 1970s Toronto, that's a level of depressing, actually. I wasn't there. Me neither. As far but... as I'm. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think you were there either. (laughs) It's just the general Canadian reflexive dislike of Toronto. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know what the American equivalent would be because people actually do like and appreciate places like uh, LA and New York. And I don't think Toronto is either of those cities. (laughs) I've I have never been to no I have been to Toronto once um and I never left the airport because it was just for a layover. Then have you actually been to Toronto? <laughs> I've never truly been to Toronto. I've been adjacent to Toronto. <laughs> yeah, you've been to Pearson International Airport. <laughs> Airports aren't places; <laughs> they're feelings. Okay, Ryan is also reminding me that we have that neither he nor I have actually been to Toronto either. <laughs> Even though we had that 12-hour layover where we might have been able to have done something. (laughs) It was just a theoretical Toronto. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Toronto's American equivalent would be... Ryan, who do you think Toronto would be the American equivalent of? Or what would their American equivalent be? Really? <laughs> but like I know, I I guess I'm talking more like how people perceive Toronto. <laughs> so Ryan went with Cleveland. <laughs> Cuz no one likes Cleveland. <laughs> Who's even heard of such a place? <laughs> I mean, theoretically, they have a football team. 
<laughs> so there, culturally, <laughs> um, if we're talking about size and power, they're the New York of Canada. If we're talking about culture, they're the Cleveland of Canada. I guess so. <laughs> so yeah, the Maureen Martyr story would actually require research and looking up. Okay, what was she doing? What was her life like? What was Toronto in the 1970s like? Because we are two millennials who have no clue about the 1970s in Toronto. Trying to find out if she's still alive. Okay, well, I feel like if she had passed away, there would be an article mentioning it. But I haven't found anything. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say she's still around. So we could just find her and ask her. And then we can give her a producer and writing credit. And then when we win the Oscar, then she can come off stage. And she can say, I will now use this to bludgeon Paramount Pictures to death. (laughs) Is there... This is going to be a real short episode because it is kind of open and shut. (laughs) She'd do a dance. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of dancing. But the main requirement for the actors and actresses for the remake so that we can make the Maureen Matter Matter movie is, like, being able to actually dance. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer Beals... Didn't actually do most of her own dancing. I did see, and a good chunk of her, her, the dancer, uh, the body doubles were not credited either. Yeah. God, no one, no one fucking wanted to credit anyone in Flashdance. Yeah. Mind you, it was the 80s. Nobody wanted to credit anyone, period. Mm-hmm. Normal people can't to- be in movies. We have to only have famous people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else you can think of to add? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay, the the one character who plays Genie, we could probably update the name too, needs to be able to figure skate. Yes. Main reason why my mom and I watch this is my mom is a figure skater, so and there's actually quite a crossover between uh the figure skating world and the ballet world because you kinda need to know some of the stuff to do the other stuff. I googled uh, skater actresses, but almost all of these are uh, skateboarders. Oh. Let me try acting figure skaters. That might require a body double or two. There's a lot of just standard figure skater names here, and I think it's just because everyone loves having a figure skater cameo in their their TV show, and that's how you... (laughs) And so therefore they are now technically an actor. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. It wouldn't be too hard to find a figure skater who can act. Because you yeah. have to do a little bit of acting. You need to be able to do a face journey. Yeah. You gotta sell your performance to the judges. There was this one little Russian figure skater who almost made me fucking cry. She was so good! <laughs> so there was a Netflix show that only lasted one season uh, called Spinning Out. Okay. And it was about figure skaters. And apparently the star, Kaya Scodelario, she did take skating lessons, and so she can do the easy stuff, but a good chunk of the complex stuff was done by doubles. Yeah, which is understandable, because, um, so if you fall on the ice, it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a couple moves that are straight up banned by the various international committees, because you could die. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, in an ideal situation, we would be able to find an actress who is also a figure skater. Or a figure skater who can act. The most notable acting figure skaters are Johnny Weir and Adam Rippon. 
Hey, what mm. if we just change Genie into Johnny Weir or Adam Rippon? <laughs> I mean, they got to be better actors than Tanya Harding. Um, I, I don't know if you've seen, but Adam, I mean, Johnny Weir had, I think, a talk show. Okay. And Adam Rippon got notoriety for when he was being interviewed by an Olympic commentator. And she was like, so how do you account for your ability to skate so well? And he's like, there is no accounting for witchcraft. Uh, or, or, wait, or, wait, hang on. I know other figure skater, I just can never remember his name. Joe Johnson. Ah, yes. JJ. <laughs> Joe Johnson plays Genie. <laughs> Let me tweet at him. Do you want to be in our remake of Flashdance? Because, yes, there are figure skating parts. <laughs> <laughs> you play a figure skater, but at some point you get sad and you join a strip club. <laughs> So, yeah, it's, um, this is probably going to be one of our shorter episodes, simply because it's a pretty cut and dry, like, would this be a summer blockbuster? I don't know. I don't think it would be a blockbuster. And I, no. I think, I, I don't think it matters what month you release movies in anymore. Yeah. Because the, the, con- the, the blockbuster season went from, like, summer to, like, starting in February and ending in October. Yeah, and it's it's more it's it's more about just like movie studios putting out more blockbusters because they rake in more money than a more casual rom comy type thing, a quote unquote chick flick, which which actually means that you can just put a movie out at any point. Yeah. Also, once people can actually go to movie theaters again, <laughs> they don't care when it's released. Yeah, people just want to see something. Exactly. And then the power went out. And then it came back. Hi. We're back! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we lost power for like a second, and then it took a while for the internet to reconnect. Oh, dang. Okay. Yeah. All right, then let's... (laughs) Let's wrap it up before Let's wrap the it up. power I'm goes just, out for I, the rest I'm of the I'm not night. even going to segue. French or promo? Tomorrow I'll do something out of stories. My feet will walk on earth that is not of earth. Unforeseen circumstances are hard to prepare for. If you can prepare for them, they're foreseen. Unless our plans change catastrophically, it should be fine. I have been asleep for decades. How much more patience do you want? They're growing us a village next to the base of a space elevator on a brand new planet. For you to have this new and better world, I have to stay behind and make it. Unimaginable animals. Mm-hmm. You didn't try the cheese. What will it mean for all the stories you've told me to be alive on a new world? It's so beautiful. Trust me. Here we go. Check out This Planet Needs a Name everywhere podcasts are found. We're back! <laughs> Woo! Lindsay, where can you be found on the internet? I can be found on Twitter at lindsaym476. That's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart, and on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. You can also find this very podcast at on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for not if I boot you first, and they're pronounced, what a feeling! Boosh!
<laughs> you could also send us an email at notifyrebootyoufirst at gmail.com or you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, or pictures of your good boys. You could even ask to be a guest, but if you do, make sure you send us a hint instead of the entire idea because we like being surprised. Or you could send us a friendship promo, and that can either be in the form of an audio clip or just a proof for us to read. But send us stuff for your podcast, for your YouTube, for your DeviantArt page. We will read it for free because we love promoting people. And we also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash notifyrebootyoufirst where you can get a bevy of bonuses by supporting us financially, including a weekly shout-out for all of our patrons, including Charlie. Thanks, Charlie. Cassidy. Thanks, Cassidy. Christina. Thanks, Christina. Jenny the Geek. Thanks, Jenny the Geek. And Julia. Thanks, Julia. Uh, maybe we'll do a thing like Ono oh Class did, where uh, up until we get 50 patrons, we will read every single name every single episode. Yes. <laughs> Ryan will do a company, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and if you can't support us financially, we understand, but you can also support us by leaving us a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. And if you can't find us on your podcatcher of choice, then let us know and I'll try and get us in there. Not if I reboot you first, just a member of the Corner Podcast Network and you can find out more about the other awesome shows we share the network with at CornerPodNet on Twitter. And last but not least, our cover art, as always, is by Alex aka Pachu, and her work can be found on ptchew.com, and our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake, and you can contact him, uh, you can contact us to find a ho- contact him, but you can music of his own for your own. <laughs> Lindsay! Tanner! This is episode 99! Wow! Next week is episode 100! Wow! I'm not giving a hint! It's, it's gonna be good! It's gonna be grand! We're gonna have a grand old time! Yes. Can't, we're we've done it. We did it. We almost did it. Uh, we have we first. We have to end this it. episode before a lightning storm just completely hoops our recording. So that's yeah. it. We'll see you next week for episode 100. Not if we put you first. Bye. Bye.